0: Well, hey there and welcome back to the show. Now, have you ever been so excited about something that you wanted to shout it from the rooftops? Well, I have something really, really exciting coming in January that you are not going to want to miss. Now, if you feel like the rest of the world has moved on, but you are still recovering from the past three years, then this is for you. The ADHD Reset Experience that is scheduled for Saturday, January 7th is a fun, dynamic, interactive, virtual experience for moms with ADHD where you will reflect on the years past, the good, the bad, and everything in between, leave it in the past where it belongs, and confidently welcome the the new year with clarity and space for all of the goodness yet to come. It is a truly powerful day. In fact, an experienced participant from last year summed it up by saying, what just happened? (laughs) Yeah, was that powerful. And this year is going to be even better. Imagine feeling less overwhelmed, regaining control of your life finally, making empowered decisions, being able to refocus more easily, even if you struggle with distractibility, with overwhelm, disorganization, big emotions, or lack of focus or hyperfocus, you can find all the deets at visiondrivenmom.com forward slash ADHD reset, one word, or you can find the link in the show notes. Oh yeah, and if you register before midnight tonight, that is January or December 15th, you will also get the vision board masterclass as an early bird bonus. So pause the episode, register for the experience and come right back. Now our next guest and I are so passionate and aligned when it comes to parenting with ADHD and I really think that you're gonna love this interview during this episode latino psychotherapist and parent coach carolina ramirez and i have a powerful conversation about reparenting your inner child why it's beneficial for moms with adhd and what to do if there's trauma involved we talk about how to identify your inner child paying attention to thoughts and self-talk reframing the experience through non-judgmental journaling the power in doing this work in communities of healing. Carolina Ramirez is a Latina licensed therapist and parent coach who specializes in supporting parents of neurodiverse children. While parenting her 10-year-old neurodiverse son, she discovered her own healing journey and her passion for supporting families. Carolina's life work is embodied by helping others heal from emotional wounds, honor their truth and reclaim peace in their life. You can find her at I am Carolina Ramirez.com or Carolina Ramirez LCSW on Instagram and Facebook. Now, if you haven't already, pause the episode, go to VisionDrivenMom.com forward slash ADHD Reset, register for the experience, and come right back and listen to this brilliant conversation with Carolina. And you're listening to the Vision Driven Mom with ADHD podcast with Tracy Nolan Bierman, where we believe that you can have ADHD without ADHD having you. Each week, you'll hear firsthand relatable stories as well as invaluable tips, tools, and practices for managing overwhelm and using your beautiful, unique mind as a superpower. Motherhood with ADHD is the journey of a lifetime. Let's enjoy the ride together. Well, hey, Carolina! It is great to see you, and I'm so happy and excited to have you back again. I'm so happy to be back. Thank you for having me, Tracy. Absolutely. Now, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to be doing what you're doing now? I love, I love a backstory, and I think that we all learn from each other's um, stories. So, yeah, totally. I it. love
1: that too. Um, I. I grew up in what we would consider a dysfunctional family. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up with trauma and seeing things that I believe children should not see as their children growing up. And so for me, it was about finding a way to help myself while also helping other children not endure some of the things that I endured Mm -hmm. as a child. And so I think for me, it was very clear from very early on that I wanted to get into the helping field. Mm -hmm. Um, I think also as a child of an immigrant family, um, you learn quickly that the children are the English speakers in a country where their parents' native language is not English, and so you become the person that has to help them through many, Challenges that come up in the family. And so as a child, you're being asked to do things from your um, immigrant family parent that, you know, they can't do because they don't necessarily have the language. And so Mm -hmm. that was part of it too. Um, And so I think I learned very early on that I wanted to do this work so that I can help other kids in similar situations of how I grew up and my environment. to learn because I had this knowing, um, I just had this inner knowing always that, um, there was more to the situation than, Mm -hmm. you know, that I was more than the situation that I was in. And so I think, you know, a lot of us get called to do this Mm -hmm. and that's how I feel. I feel like I got called to do this, um, therapy work, working with, um, moms and parents. And now, of course, because I have a neurodivergent child, um, possibly two, and considering my own neurodivergence, it just all came together. Now, right. now I want to work with other moms with ADHD, um, looking at how their experiences shaped them. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into this more in the podcast, and how can we make changes so that it's helping them versus
0: hindering them Mm, right huge so first of all thank you for answering the calling (laughs) I think I would imagine that most of us get the calling and most of us do not answer the call (laughs) right so it's not easy thank you no it's not easy it's not easy at all um, and I love that. So I have, a I I mean, very different backgrounds, but I have the, I, I had the inner knowing too, that I wanted to help kids. I went to, I started the teacher route and then realized, and then became a teacher and I was like, eh, nope, that's not it. And then I realized, oh, the back door is the parents, right? Because the parents, the teachers can make an incredible, incredible impression, but the parents are the ones who can change the child's life. So anyway, thank you, Absolutely. thank you. And I'm super excited, um, you know, we talked before, um, before we hit record about how um, I'm doing this uh, trauma conscious yoga method so that I can learn more about the nervous system. And because I know that a lot of us with ADHD, tend to come from dysfunctional families and a lot of us also have experienced trauma. So um and I'll I'll tell you a little bit um about my discovery af- as we as we move along but so today we're talking about reparenting and inner child work. So what is the difference between um inner child and reparenting? Yes,
1: I'm glad you asked that question. So inner child, we all have an inner child. It's the part of us that hasn't grown up. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of times when we think about it in the trauma lens, it's the part that was wounded at a certain time in your upbringing, in your growing up um, and remain wounded Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, either the trauma was too big. And I've referenced this work of Dr. Gaber Mate before, and he always talks, about, you know, the trauma is not necessarily the event that happened to you, but how it affected you. So a lot of um, moms come to me, they're like, well, you know, I didn't really have any big traumas. Um, So it doesn't necessarily have to be an event a a huge event. It's basically how you were impacted Mm -hmm. by any event or situation in your life. And so that inner child part remains wounded at that age. and so a lot of times what i how i explain it to my clients is that sometimes when you feel like your behavior is out of control Mm -hmm. and you're responsive out of control it's usually that inner child Mm -hmm. acting up interesting Um, because inner our our children have very little impulse um control and as adults we learn to have more impulse control which we know that that's one of the traits that um is a marker for ADHD that it's difficult for us to have impulse control but more so especially when you're doing inner child work and trauma focused work mm-hmm. it's really thinking about like what is something that i really recognize as something that i really have very little control over and it just kind of blurts out of me right mm-hmm. um and it just it triggers that's mm-hmm. literally how i find and identify the inner child um, with my clients is, what are the triggers that are causing you to react in ways that you don't want to react Mm -hmm. that way, that you have identified? I no longer want to react this way. Why am I acting this way? So that is the inner child. And the reparenting part is really a process and a practice of self-discovery. And it's coupled with actively doing the work of giving yourself everything that you needed as a child Mm -hmm. that you didn't receive. Mm, So it's discovering, you know, where did the wound come from? And then what can I do to provide safety for myself and remind myself that I'm no longer that seven year old girl? that felt helpless in a situation that was out of my control
0: okay all right perfect i um the reparenting reparenting is a term that is um is more recent for me it's not it's something that's become come into my awareness more recently but i've been doing inner child work since gosh i was in my 20s early 20s and so I'll tell you about the realization that I had about my inner child work when um, this this uh, this um, a training the, this yoga teacher training that I'm doing right now is very intense, and um, you know you do the work so that you can share the work kind of a thing. And I realized that whenever I have done for decades, right, whenever I've done inner child work, I'm always going to this happy child the happy child before the trauma. Mm. And it's so interesting to me. Just I mean, I, I just had this realization about a month ago. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm not really I'm not like there's something in my mind that is keeping me from from going and looking at that little 14 for me it's 14. Looking at that 14-year-old girl. I haven't gone in and done it before but I will let you know how it turns out <laughs> and what I discover. But very interesting, my mind was and and here's the thing about that 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 trauma was I had nowhere for it to go. It involved other people and so I had to keep it down. And so I think I pushed it so far down, and I th- I've been doing the work for years, right? Anyway, so interesting. But Thank I you love- for that explanation because yeah. no, that's really I, helpful.
1: Yeah, and I, but I love that you also highlighted that because you know the inner child is that joyful, magical part of us that is really the essence of a child, too. And so, you know, that is part of it, too. Um, So there's both, you know, and in our work, we know there's both light and dark, right? Right. So, um, you know, I'm glad you highlighted that, because I do want to make sure that our listeners know that there is both. Mm -hmm. Um, But when we want to really get into how do we heal, um, and this healing journey is going to be an ongoing journey for the rest of our lives. It's not yeah. going to be like a one and done deal. Never. Exactly. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> that would
0: be great. <laughs> I would have been healed
1: decades ago. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But you know, when you're healing, um, there's going to be layers to it. And right. so, um, you know, but the, but just realizing, cause I do have those moments where I do go back and, and was, I'm doing my own work. Um, you know, I, I remember very joyful times of just, it, for some, for me, it's being by the beach, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like having the sun in my face, being by the right. beach, and just playing with the water and just being so happy. Um, and that is still part of our inner child work. You know, right. it's okay to also remember those parts.
0: Yeah. And that's who I wanted to go back to. <laughs> it's yeah. the joyful, fun little girl with the yellow bathing suit on, on the, the water slide. Yeah, <laughs> That was me with a shag haircut. <laughs> I love it. Um, but, but, but what we really need to do is go back to that 14 year old or whatever age that is for you okay so why so actually you kind of um you kind of already answered this question but why would we even consider reparenting yeah
1: it's very important to reparent ourselves um many of us grew up with parents who did the best that they could Mm -hmm. and um many of them did not intentionally mean to harm us however as you know neurodivergent moms um moms with adhd we tend to be highly sensitive individuals individuals with sensitive nervous systems and um living in a world that we live in can automatically be an assault to of how we are you know mm-hmm. so it automatically affects us we're very um sensitive to energies as well. And so a lot of times our parents may have been in what I call survival mode and they were doing the best that they could in my in my example of my dysfunctional family and growing up, you know, my parents thought they were doing the best by, you know, working and working many hours um, and providing a roof over our heads and um, food on the table. Um, But I didn't receive any emotional nurturing Mm, from my family. And that was really impactful for me. Uh, uh, Alongside a lot of traumatic events that occurred, um, mostly it was not having the uh, ability to share my emotions as a highly Mm. sensitive person and as a person who felt very deeply um, and was always um, kind of scared and and a little shy and timid, um, you know, it was almost like, get over it. Like, you need to be stronger. You need to, you know, do this yourself. I can't do that for you because I have to do this, right? Right. And so it's very important to reparent ourselves because those parts still show up today and they will show up at times where we're most stressed. They'll show up in how we talk to ourselves. Um, One thing for me that I've learned in my work is how difficult it was for me to be visible, to be Mm -hmm. seen, right? Right. And so that's why it's so important for me, like you said, you do the work to share the work. And I love that because for a long time, I felt like it's not worth, I'm not worth sharing what I know because who am I, right? To make a difference. But the truth, when I really got deep into that it was that i was scared to be seen because i was in a home that was so dysfunctional that i learned very early on as a survival that i needed to be invisible unheard unseen to not ruffle any feathers and make things Mm -hmm. worse and that translated into how i am showing up today in my family how i'm showing up in my work and so it's been a process of undoing that. And it's been a process of me going back and telling myself, you're safe now, you can speak up now. It's okay to take up space. It's okay to be vulnerable and share your emotions. Mm. Um, even though I've always been a crier, like right. you don't have to do much me for the, too. to get me to cry. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but that's that process. And that's why now I'm finally able to fully step into what I call my power, you know, to fully step into my own authentic self because I'm allowing myself and I'm giving myself what I need that wasn't given to me as a child.
0: I love all of that. And I what I really love, Carolina, is what you said about my parents were doing the best that they could. And I think for a lot of us, and I think especially when we're younger and we tend to blame parents for it's your fault, your fault, your fault, but understanding and then being a parent and realizing, wow, this is not easy. Right. And, and the realization, you know, my parents were young, really young when they had when they had kids. And just that that understanding that we were all doing the best, like, for the most part, our parents did not intentionally harm us. Right, so I think that's a really important point to um, to remember that we're all doing the best that we can in the moment. And what you're sharing too is that, okay, so you have this inner child that shows up at inopportune times, right? And which, which makes you wanna backpedal, especially with our kids. So if we reparent now, and wherever you are in your parenting journey, it is never too late. If you're a grandmother, it is not too late, right? Because your kids are still watching you. You are still their mother, right? Yes. So we are we are um, we're actually giving to our kids. And sometimes when we have really low self-worth, it's we have a difficult time doing this kind of work because it feels selfish. So you know, if it works for you, you can turn it around. And make it about your kids like i'm going to stop this generational pattern of of and I, I don't want to it's not always trauma right it's i mean so there are different kinds of trauma but it's not always like the big t trauma um you know that we think about when we think about trauma yeah exactly. it, for those of us who are sensitive
1: mm-hmm. yeah it could then- be
0: the little t trauma of like everyday life Yes, you know, I
1: mean, you know, a great example is talking back. Right. So I grew up in a family where talking back was not allowed. It just right. was permitted you do as i tell you to do and you don't question it mm-hmm. and i have an adhd child who questions everything right and doesn't comply and in, in the beginning of my parenting journey i was like what is going on here i thought you were supposed to be my little mini robot who does do do what i tell you to do don't ask me why don't tell me why you can't do it don't argue with me right, right, right. and that was a real big trigger for me because growing up we were taught and it was a very fear-based belief that you don't speak up for yourself you know Mm -hmm. you don't question things because that's just the way it was done and you would never get a good answer and so I found this to be very challenging for me but I realized that it's not that he's trying to my son is not trying to be defiant he's literally asking me why we can't do certain things. And so I have to slow down. And this is something that I teach and um, practice myself. Slow down. We're very quick to be impulsive, right? And just say the first thing that comes to our minds. Because I said, no, Mm -hmm. stop it. And you know, a lot of times I have to stop myself and it takes practice to do this. And I'm not always perfect in doing this, but I have to stop myself, breathe, and then ask myself, what is it that, I need to explain and teach to my son right now because he's having a hard time understanding why we can't do this. Because from his perspective, there shouldn't be a reason why we can't do it. Right. Right. Um, And so it gives me time, even though I'm still holding the boundary. If I made the boundary of saying we, we, we can't purchase another video game today here's why. Mm-hmm. And it's not that he's, and I, and I learned to change that perspective, you know? So that's a big thing for reparenting yourself right. is that we have to change the lens and how we see things through. Um, and it feels like your child is talking back to you, but it's about realizing that they really need to have an understanding. And right. it may it multiple times, depending on how your child is and you know how they show up in the world and i always feel like our kids came in to teach us some of the biggest lessons because i definitely was one of those that i would get really triggered by a child who was not compliant right because i was very compliant as a kid and so he came in here to disrupt my whole world and show me like listen you don't have to be compliant to be a good kid
0: Right. Oh, that beautiful. Is, well, yes. isn't that thoughtful of him?
1: Yes, and I was like, <laughs> "Thank you." Even though it's hard, it's a hard lesson right. for me, but I, I, I get it. I get it now, and I, and I really do thank him. You know, um, for teaching me that because um, compliance is not always the best thing. Right. Um, but yeah, it's like you said, it's the re-parenting part. Is never too late to do that for mm-hmm. yourself, no matter where you are in the parenting journey, because our children as they get older they will continue to need our guidance right and so it's going to be very important for you to be able to slow down and reparent yourself so that you're not parenting out of fear that you're not parenting you know to create just compliance in your children it's to create a, a true understanding and to help them discover who they are and what really it is that they need because what
0: we need may not be what our kids need right and that's also hard sometimes but that is i know i know it's a it's parenting first of all is hard hands down right but then you add your own neurodivergence, neurodivergence in your family, and then you've got like all of these other layers, and then you've got generational patterns, and you've got, like all of these things, high sensitivity, you know, all of the things. And and so, that's one of, the things, yeah, yeah. And what if there is trauma? So what do you, how do you handle reparenting when there's trauma?
1: Yeah, um, I would definitely recommend for anyone that feels like they've been through some trauma to seek the help of a therapist that's Mm -hmm. qualified that is either an emdr therapist um is highly recommended for trauma Mm -hmm. um and in in ifs is also a good method um to deal with trauma and so i really want to encourage people to take their time with it because Mm -hmm. trauma can bring up a lot of um difficult things, difficult emotions, um, that we deal with. Right. And so, um, the process of going through this in therapy is not very easy. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times we'll have, um, what we call emotional hangovers from, you know, re- realizing that what we went through really impacted us in a negative way. Right. And so, um, doing that under the guidance of a therapist is is recommended and really important um but it's not to say that that's the only work that you'll do Mm -hmm. it's you know it's also integrating the things that you might be learning from a trauma-informed yoga class Um, and we have to also recognize that there are other ways that you can heal that doesn't necessarily involve therapy but um therapy is one component of it. And then you also have to do the other work. So the other work around that is taking care of yourself, mm, um, right? writing it in a journal, um, taking time to process it and not rush yourself through it. Um, allowing yourself to feel what you need to feel in the mm, moment yeah. and figure out like, how do I need to take care of myself right now sometimes that looks like I need to take a day off from work sometimes that looks like I need to go talk to a group of my friends who really um value me and will see me for me and won't judge me Mm -hmm. um to talk it out with them sometimes that looks like getting a support group um and sometimes that looks like listening to books podcasts, reading, um, something in a journal, um, just looking for support because our healing requires community. Um, a lot of times people feel like they need to heal in isolation. Mm -hmm. Um, and some of that work does happen on your own alone, but a lot of times we need a sense of community in order to heal. Right. Right. Absolutely. many of us have been through traumas um, Mm -hmm. and it could be big traumas or small traumas um, but we still need a community for where we need to heal and come together Mm -hmm. Um, so a lot of times you'll see um, in your community that there'll be healing circles Um, there'll be hikes you know walks that you can join Um, and there's so many more of these that are popping up and it's really warms my heart because we need to do a lot more of these, especially as women, um, you know, neurodivergent people. um, It's so important to connect with nature. even if you're afraid like me, <laughs> I would say I'm like, I grew up in the concrete jungle of New York city. And so being in the woods is a really scary place for me, but right. I learned that, um, if I can prepare myself in a way that makes me feel safer, um, wearing the right shoes, um, jackets, or, you know, long sleeve, if I feel more comfortable with that. Um, and then also being a part of a group helps me feel safer. Right. So when you're doing the work with, with trauma, you need to really surround yourself with as much safety as possible. Mm-hmm. How can I safely process this trauma in a way that won't re-traumatize me and that won't come back and hurt me? Right. And so, you know, again, it's about doing it with multiple things going on at once mm-hmm. and, and allowing yourself to have the space to process it because right. it will... It will be emotionally draining at times, and um, it is just kind of like an awakening for yourself. You know, you start to remember, you know, and you start to realize, I oh, this is why I act this way. Right. Um, You know, a lot of times, um, I had a post a while back on my Instagram that says I'm controlling, and you know, for most of my life, I would say that I was like, you know, I'm such a controlling person. I'm such, but there was a reason. Right. Yeah. Behaviors. And it was I because that. I grew up in such an out-of-control environment that the only way that I could feel safe was by controlling everything. Right. Right. And now I'm learning to undo that. Right. That it it that behavior helped me in a time that I needed it, but I no longer need to do that.
0: Right. Yeah. I love that. And 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 actually kind of, you know, giving yourself some grace and thank you for keeping me safe I needed that from you and instead of because sometimes we want to like push it away mm-hmm. but it was it was a part of the uh, us that was that that's been through our entire lives been just trying to keep us safe like that yep. that's the it whether it was healthy or unhealthy it was trying to keep us safe I mean that's what the mind does right the mind the mind and that's it's it's job is to keep us alive <laughs> Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's like you said, it's like you need to befriend that part, right? Because a lot of times we feel shame or we feel like, oh, why was I being like this? And, and, you know, that's what you knew. And it's okay to befriend that part and say, thank you. Thank you for providing me that protection because all of it is protection. It's about how do I protect this part of me. Right. And so befriending that part, you know, whether it's fear, whether it's shame, you know, saying, you know, I see you. Thank you for protecting me and doing this when I needed you. Yeah. And now it's okay to step, take a step back. Right. I got it from here. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. I
0: got the, I'm in the driver's seat now and I thank you. Yes. thank you i can i can take it from here yeah i love that i love those i love those steps and it's not easy it's not easy to um to uh to go back there and which is why you know like i i um as i'm thinking about um about this 14 year old that i still haven't um really spoken to or um or addressed. you know i have in lots of different ways, but not the direct, you know, working with the, with my inner child. Um, and I think it's important to give yourself some grace and compassion if it is difficult, you know, and that you don't have to, like you said earlier, it's not a one and done. It would be great if we did some inner child work and, um, and some reparenting and then bam, that was it. That would be great. but. It's not that way. What I love to uh, what I love to think about is that every time that we come to this place of the reparenting or the inner child or the the uh, the trauma, whatever it was um, and we do a little bit of healing that we are peeling away, like you said, we're peeling away layers of the onion and I like to think of it as, you know it's gonna come back again at some point but in this ever upward spiral of becoming as long as you're growing the next time you encounter it it, it's you're going to see it from a different place absolutely and noticing that noticing and acknowledging that well thank you thank you self (laughs) for doing that little work because now i'm now i'm at a different place
1: absolutely you know and you know it's like you said I like to use a lot of affirmations in my work, you know, so um, especially when you're feeling really vulnerable, um, just reminding yourself that I'm safe now, mm. I'm safe now. That's so huge, when, whenever right? we do go back into that inner child that's still wounded, you know, um, and you can ask yourself, you know, this is something that you can do on your own and that is safe. Um, you can just say to yourself, you know, what is it that you're scared of? Mm-hmm. you know, and, and ask them truly to just be honest with you, because that's what it is, you know, these parts of us are protecting us. So what is it that scares you? What is it that, um you know, hurt you? And, you know, I'm here now. And so you can imagine yourself as the adult version of you going back to that 14 year old child and saying, I'm here for you now, you know, did you not feel heard? Did you not feel seen? Um, you know, what is it that you need from me? And, you know, and you're safe and you're protected. Um, and so a lot of times it's really about, again, rewriting for ourselves You know what we didn't have at that right. moment. And um, another uh, activity I like to give my parents to do is to um, write in a journal as if you were having a conversation mm-hmm. with yourself. Right. So you go back to a time where you feel wounded, or you were triggered or something happened that changed things for you. And then you just go back and you have a conversation and you literally write it. It's like a script, you know, 14 year old me say what you're going to say, you know, adult you, what would you say? Um, Because it gives you a higher level perspective. Like you said, Um, you know, we're going to be healing It's a constant spiral. But the more that you become aware, then you can next time when you're feeling triggered, you can understand that, Okay, I see what's coming up for me right now. You know, here's that inner child that felt rejected again, you know, and right now I'm feeling rejected, which is why I'm starting to get angry or upset. And so you're able to catch it and you're able to talk yourself through it, really coach yourself through it.
0: Yeah, I love the journaling piece, and it is hard for us to um it can be hard for us as women with ADHD to actually sit down and journal but this is like a this is a this is an intentional it this is an intentional process now when I did gosh like I said I think it was in my early 20s the first time I did inner child work and I can't remember the the book I have it somewhere over here in my my massive books that I love dearly um but with the journaling and i love this and i use it in my work in lots of different ways now so to to kind of hear hear your your higher self your your inner self but to hear your inner child too is writing a question in your journal with your right hand and then answering with your left hand answering as the child with the left hand have you heard have you done that before so it's brilliant because you're not not right and left but your dominant hand and your non-dominant hand right when you're writing with your non-dominant hand you have to be present right with your with your dominant hand you can just right? but with your non-dominant hand, you have to be present with what you're doing because it's not easy because you don't have that pattern so it's almost a little easier to to hear the inner child and but that brings me to the question How do we identify the inner child, you know, how because there's there's a tendency for us to to poo poo it. Oh, that's just you know, that's just me saying that. Well, yes. But can you expand on that? How do we identify the inner child?
1: Yeah, I think it's really important that we acknowledge whatever comes up when Mm -hmm. you go back and listen to yourself and you're asking yourself, what does my 14 year old self want to tell me? typically our logical brain wants to stop whatever it is. I'm like, oh yeah, well that's just my higher self, right? Thinking that this is what I wanna say. Um, But it truly is what your 14 year old self wants to tell you. Um, And we have to really, and I know it's hard for us ADHDers to get into the practice of journaling. A lot of times what I tell my clients is just set a timer for five minutes, Mm -hmm. because even if you did five minutes, you'd be surprised how much you can do in five minutes. And just allow yourself to write without judging what comes up. Because when you start judging what comes up, then you're stopping the process. Mm -hmm. And so don't um, let those thoughts come in and and try and stop you from doing the work, because this is the work. And I promise you that if you just allow what comes up to come up, is what what really needs to be seen heard and processed Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so we do um have our logical adult brain that wants to say hey you know you're just saying this now because you learned this from this class or you heard it on a podcast read it in a book Um, but it truly is what needs to come up for you Mm -hmm. and so um And I love, especially that when you're journaling, it's just a process for you. You don't have to share it with anyone. So it really allows you to be honest and to be radically honest and vulnerable and authentic with whatever needs to come up, because no one has to see it unless you want to share it. Right. I love that. Yeah. Allow that to come up and then just respond back you know, from your adult self, you know, and that could be like, yeah, you're right. You know, like I agree with you, yeah. even if that's all you're writing. Um, but that is very healing because you're allowing yourself to say like, Hey, anything
0: that I have to say is valid right. and
1: I don't have to judge it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think yes. that's, and that is, that is, a uh, that's an interesting little bit for, uh, women with ADHD as well as the judging the judging. You're not doing it right.
1: (laughs) Yes. And that is that. And, you know, and that's where we have to question, you know, that self-talk. Like, where does it come from? You know, again, you know, going back to my example of like, why would anybody want to listen to what I have to share? Mm -hmm. And that really comes from, you know, me being told, like, what you have to say is not important. Stop talking. You know, Mm -hmm. even though I had a lot to say, but I was being stopped a lot because, they didn't have the space for it. You know, they didn't have the time or capacity to hold what I needed to say and to actually allow it to integrate as part of the family that I grew up in. Um, And so it was easier to just kind of keep me quiet so that they can just move on and go on about their day without having to deal with my input, right? Right. And a lot of times we still have that self-talk Mm -hmm. with ourselves. And so again, it's about realizing, like, you know, where does the self-talk come from, you know, naturally, we're not going to talk to ourselves like that. No human being person um, will talk to themselves like that. Usually it came from somewhere. Right. And so identifying where that came from and then re rewriting and allowing yourself to just allow yourself to be.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. And it's, um, it's, uh, you're giving us permission to let it be messy and let it be, let it just, let it just roll. I, 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 myself, when I write, I tend to, that controlling part, I also have that. And I, and I know. Where it comes from and i do have to stop myself but that everything's that when i write i have to be intentional about the writing but what if we just blah 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 blah, blah just like stream of consciousness just like let it let it come out and you know just just let it out there to give it some space and voice and and all of that. Well Carolina, this has been fantastic. I've been really really excited to um, to talk to you about this because I think it is I think it's something that um that uh, that moms with ADHD really need to consider in their support system, you know in their in their their um, their supports and and um, how they are, they're healing and managing their ADHD because a lot of what we what our reactions and our impulsivity and and all of that comes from when we were kids you know um so if there's one thing that you can recommend that um that our listeners can start with right now one simple thing what would that be
1: i honestly feel like it is the the journaling piece Mm, okay and really you know Treat it like a script, almost like if you were going to write an episode of Friends or whatever your favorite show is Mm -hmm. and call it the you show, you know, and this is literally you writing a script from you to you right? and just taking five minutes, setting a timer and writing without judgment, letting it flow, free write, whatever it is that needs to come up Mm -hmm. and allowing yourself to really listen to what it is that your younger self is saying to you. And then now that you have the perspective that you have at whatever age you are, what perspective you would say, and how would you keep that child safe? And how would you help that child be seen? How would you help that child be, um, you know, who they needed to be Mm -hmm. um, without shutting them down and dimming their light? And so, you know, doing that and also I would say join communities of healing, whether that's doing a yoga class. I love that you're doing that trauma focused yoga class. I think that is a beautiful way to also honor our inner child yeah. and process our, you know, our emotions and, and bring us healing. Um, movement is so important. So I would definitely say incorporating those things into your activities is going to help. And starting with the journaling and doing some movement, whether it's yoga or a hike, um, just joining in a community of like-minded women that will honor your vulnerability and validate for you um, your experiences.
0: Right. Beautiful. I love that. Thank you. So I know that our listeners are going to want to find you and find out more about your work. So can you tell us how do we find you? Yes. So my
1: website is I am carolina and I'm most active on Instagram. So you can find me on carolina Ramirez LCSW on okay. Instagram.
0: Perfect. Definitely go check out Carolina's work and say hello. And Carolina, again, it has been amazing. I know that I'm going to have you back again. And I just see us collaborating in some way. We're in the same town, which is brilliant, which I love. So I and I just see that see us collaborating in some way in the near future. I would love that. Yeah. Again, thank you so much for your time and for sharing your brilliance. And we'll talk soon. Thank you Goodbye for now. Bye. And thank you for listening to the Vision Driven Mom with ADHD podcast. Now, if you feel like the rest of the world has moved on, but you are still recovering from the past three years, the ADHD reset is for you. It's a fun, dynamic, interactive, virtual experience for moms with ADHD, where you'll reflect on the past few years, the good, bad, and everything in between. Leave it in the past where it belongs and confidently welcome the new year with clarity and space for all the goodness yet to come. It is a truly powerful day. In fact, an experienced participant from last year summed it up by saying, what just happened? Yeah, it was that powerful. And this year's is going to be even better. ADHD Reset is happening January 7th, and you can find all the deets at visiondrivenmom.com forward slash ADHD reset, or you can find the link in the show notes. Anything is possible, even regaining control of your life with ADHD. Goodbye for now.